0: Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge, Knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success? It's a no brainer. Think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity, share your story, and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business. People like Ian Payton, who's taken the course, launched their own podcast, and already in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. And you could be next. The 7 Million Bikes Podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A Aaron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A W D L Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hours worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y Funny Productions. Hey everyone, it's me again. If you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. In addition to listening to this show without the ads, you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well. Doesn't cost that much. You can get plans for as low as $1 a month. You can show the love and your support. Just go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S, and subscribe and listen and enjoy today. Again, that's patreon.com slash Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Joe Biden is making his first overseas trip as president, thus marking the first time in four years that I didn't hope our Department of Homeland Security would put the president's name down on the no-fly list as a prank. (laughs) Biden had his first meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin during this trip. This also marked the first time in four years that a president didn't have to make a payment to keep his Russian hooker piss videos hidden. (laughs) I should say those came from the allegations in the Steele dossier, also known as the Trump-Russia dossier, which haven't been proven yet. A study shows cicadas are actually edible. While hard to believe for some, they are better on a pizza than pineapple. I actually tried a cicada (laughs) the other day. To me, they tasted a bit rubbery. Of course, I probably should have washed them after I ran them over with my car. (laughs) To be fair, if I put those cicadas on a Domino's pizza, then it would actually make it taste better. Uh, to improve the only pizza you can order after midnight. <laughs> and now on with the show, please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen and Gina Brown.
1: Hello. Hi, Tom.
2: Jeff, Gina, welcome back. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Well, Tom, uh, I realized this week that I'm not all the way back and- I'm trying, but after 14, 15 months inside, you know, I, I didn't go to a supermarket all that time. And so every trip to Giant is a uh, thrill, but I was in Giant and I was waiting for a woman to, who was getting eggs, cause I wanted eggs. And she came out with two large containers. I mean, about 96 eggs. And I said, that's a lot of eggs. And she looked at me like, "Why are you? Why are you saying this? Why are you commenting on my egg <laughs> purchase?" And then I thought, "What kind of asshole am I commenting on her egg purchase?" <laughs> Did you not get the memo? <laughs> but I we was, don't was talk
1: so. we not the people so, anymore, Jeff. Don't talk.
2: <laughs> so I have to get you. I was so excited to see other people making purchases that I commented on it like it was the comment section at washingtonpost.com and I need to calm down I'm the opposite
1: I'm I'm trying to keep the same pandemic excuse but now I don't I'm fully vaccinated like I don't have the same excuse I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. I'm like, go away, no. <laughs> I have to come up with a different excuse. Sticadas, I used that for a little while, but I, nope. it looks like I can't use that much anymore. Dude, right? uh, if you're looking
0: for excuses to keep people away from you, I have got an entire book. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to change my personality, Tom. I just... <laughs>
0: <laughs> West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and Arizona Senator Kyrsten Sinema say they are not ready to do away with the filibuster because they have a history of working with Republicans. That doesn't say much, as in both West Virginia and Arizona, working with Republicans is code for being held at gunpoint. In fact, the only real difference between compromise in West Virginia and compromise in Arizona is compromising on what level of generational separation and what relation of step-relatives counts as incest. Thanks to the filibuster, (laughs) Congress basically... (laughs) Congress basically serves as much use as a no soliciting sign in a cul-de-sac, the drive like your kids live here sign you see in your neighborhood, or a man who is told I love you by his girlfriend who has a drawer full of dildos and sex toys. (laughs) Joining us tonight to discuss voting rights, please welcome comedian and podcast host Reed Clark.
3: Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, Reed, thank you so much for being on. It's a pleasure having you.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, kudos to you for using your uh, platform to address such issues and then bringing black people in to talk about it. If only, you know, John Oliver or Trevor Noah would do that. No, I'm kidding. Trevor Noah's black technically. But um, <laughs> I actually am conflicted about the uh, the voting thing. I used to do a joke or like, I mean, I don't, uh, I used to do it. I say, because I've changed my perspective. I voted last time, but for a while I didn't vote. And people get mad when you say that. Um, but I believe my ancestors died for my choice, right? They died for my right to be like, mm, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> they died for my choice, not exactly for the vote. But um, I, since then, really dug into things. And there are almost half, half of every big um, Tulsa sort of event where they go into a Black neighborhood and kill everyone they see. Is either a false rape accusation or has something to do with voting, you know? So if it's that important, it should be taken seriously. And I don't get how almost every almost every year the Supreme Court tries to do something about voting or um, abortions. It's it's like the it's like the it's like the one thing I feel like uh, I guess. Uh, right wing officials get excited about like all right we're gonna try to do something about abortion and voting let's let's get together and do it it's like we all see the uh we all were in civics classes and learned that they do uh treat black neighborhoods different with uh districting and voting and stuff like that but maybe the politicians need to have been in my uh politics class and i was in 10th grade because i don't think they are up on the curriculum.
0: Also, I think like a lot of the uh, a lot of the measures, especially to suppress um, or cut back uh, availability of voting to Americans, I think also has to do with like the way we keep putting people in power. It's not just Republicans, but some Democrats as well, who have been you know bought off by certain special interests who are are happy with the status quo. Certain people remain. In elected office, and they get their that uh, they get their big breaks, mainly having to do with tax breaks and you know, whatever they want to work to their advantage. So, um, I think it it could be twofold. Yes, we need to go ahead and pass a new voting rights act, but you know we also need something that helps curb uh, that helps curb dark money, which I think would it, it would it would kind of go in tandem with one another. Like you, you cut the dark money, you cut the, uh, the ability for corporations and people to give you know, massive amounts of money to these politics. We're just going to keep holding uh, Americans back. And I think that, in turn, could uh, you know, help improve things and help you know, get more people, uh, more voters engaged. What's your thoughts on that?
3: I, they need to have uh, Diddy go back out there and wear the T-shirts. Um, I think that helped. Uh, I don't know the, I don't know the statistics and I don't even think I was able to vote when he was doing that, but I remember being like, Hey, he's on MTV with a t-shirt. I think, I think that's what marketing is all about. Um, uh, if, you know, Meg The Stallion, Cardi B, um, got to get, uh, Doja Cat got together and, uh, did a song. Black Vote Matters with a subsequent music video, Um, maybe a line about I'm at the polls and on the poll. I think that would really shake things up and get the people to realize that something must be done. At the
0: forefront of voting rights is the Poor People's Campaign. Since their beginnings cracking down on North Carolina's state-sponsored voter suppression tactics, they have been holding Moral Monday's protests to stop efforts in other states. In this clip, Shortly before they marched to Manchin's office in West Virginia, their leader, Reverend William Barber, addresses supporters.
4: Why are we here today? The question is to ask the question that miners asked in the 1920s. Simple question. Song they wrote about it. It was, Which side are you on? And that's the question for Joe Manchin. Which side on your own? And we want to be clear about who West Virginians are and what West Virginians want. Today, we are black. We are white. We are from the hood and from the hollers. We are coal miners and poor people and low-wage workers and preachers and native people. We are Latinos. We are West Virginia. And we want Joe Manchin, to understand that when you argue and st- against ending a filibuster and you claim you want not a bipartisan bills, but even if the bill was 50 Democrats and 9 Republicans, you still wouldn't support it. And if you are against the Voting Rights Act and restoring it, and if you are for blocking the For the People Act, to stop the tyranny that's happening in state capitals by extremists that have taken over the Republican Party, then you are not on the side of West Virginians. This is what you're saying, Senator Manchin, when you are against the For the People Act, you are saying that you're against curbing voter suppression. You're saying you're against making it easier for all Americans to register and vote and cast a ballot. You are saying you are against outlawing political gerrymandering. And you are saying that you are against overhauling our campaign finance laws so that the voices of ordinary people can be amplified and the voices of corrupt corporations and the ruling elite class can be lessened. When you are against... Voting for the Voting Rights Act, even if you only have 59 votes and you'd rather have a filibuster than a restored Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, then what you're saying is you are against stopping state legislatures from passing bills that are race-based and class-based without them being pre-cleared.
0: I think what I like about movements like this is that they kind of just shoot down certain narratives that the media likes to portray like for example they like to portray senators like joe manchin and kirsten cinemas you know being you know in a rock in a hard place like they're they're in fairly moderate states that don't necessarily want you know any or a lot of rather you know progressive ideas to move forward but this one but i mean they did polling which shows that uh, a majority of democrats of course want you know, national uh, voter rights to pass a majority of independents and even a majority of Republicans. I mean, you have a wide swath of people who are who agree that people need to vote, or the, if they want to, and but you have the media portraying it as it's like, oh well, this is a portraying it as a highly complex issue. But you know, movements like this, and even you know that they ended up covering uh, this march. And Reverend Barber's speech, and that just disproved that narrative.
1: The idea that <laughs> that people don't want the right to vote is it 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 doesn't even make any sense. It's it's like a simpleton's thought. Like I don't I don't really understand that very much. And so for for somebody to suggest that it's complicated, I I I'm so confused. I'm also exhausted because his work has just it's i mean yes he has a different voice and he says it in a different way but have we not been here for since the 1950 you know we're still here it's like we can't move forward it's just a different voice that's speaking because this one happens to be alive
3: i wish that this person's message was uh the video that we just watched was more um I guess mainstream uh, now, especially people around my age, if you are a religious figure, I'm kind of not, I'm probably going to tune it out. You know, I guess just like, my mind keeps going back to the idea about like, to, I guess people's apathy about it. Cause if you really harassed elected officials, I believe that this could probably not be a problem, you know, for my kids at some point.
1: Do not you? You like the message. Your concern is it, the messenger's packaging.
3: I mean, it, it's just maybe not inciting enough people to action, especially people. I think um, millennial, whatever. I don't know the other.
1: These millennials. Yeah. You're young bucks.
3: Yeah, I don't think we are. You know, if, uh, like if like one of the late night people aren't talking about it, we probably don't know about it. The mo- majority of us which is sad.
0: When we say those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it, there is a reason that is an expression. In this 1963 interview with journalists from all over the world, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. explains why progress toward a Voting Rights Act is being halted, using a theme with which we are all familiar
4: today. The tragedy is that uh, we have a Congress uh, with a Senate that has a minority of misguided senators who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from even voting. They won't let the majority of senators vote. And certainly they wouldn't want the majority of people to vote because they know they do not represent the majority of the American people. In fact, they represent in their own states a very small minority.
0: The reason I picked that clip is because I think it... It demonstrates perfectly you know not only what's happening now but what led us to the point where we need to pass another voting rights bill like we had the one that was signed into law in 1965 it provided some pretty good protections up until the supreme court struck down the actual enforcement clause because they said oh well there's no need for this enforcement because none of these serious voter restrictions being put in place locally and then once that provision was struck down the thing that they said wasn't happening happened. You know, you have all these voter suppression measures going on in the various states; hence, the need to pass another Voting Rights Act, and hence, we're back to where we were in the early to mid '60s.
1: Right, we're still here. That's what I was exactly. Saying. We haven't moved.
0: Well said, Tom.
1: And Dr. King. <laughs> right. well,
0: yeah. I think I think Dr. King said it a lot better than I ever could. <laughs>
1: Oh, you're just being modest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, even if the For the People Act passes, Republicans will still find a way to make sure elections go in their favor by any means necessary, as we can see in this CNN clip.
1: Today, we are alleging that November's Florida Senate District 37 election involved
5: crimes. Miami-Dade oh. state attorney says disgraced lawmaker Frank Artillas masterminded a plot Senator, to help a Republican win a key Florida state Senate seat.
1: He knew then and we are alleging that he knows now that he was blatantly thumbing his nose at the law.
5: Last November, incumbent Democrat Jose Javier Rodriguez lost his Senate seat by just 32 votes, a race that he tells CNN he would have won.
0: There's no question that this had an impact on a race that was ultimately decided by 32 votes out of nearly a quarter
5: million cast. But Jose Javier Rodriguez lost. There was a third candidate, a sham candidate in this race, with the same last name as his, who siphoned away Democrat votes. Alex Rodriguez, who's also charged in the plan.
4: We've been looking for Alex. Is he around?
0: Uh, No, he'll be back tomorrow, though.
5: That's actually Alex Rodriguez behind the door lying to a reporter from CNN affiliate WPLG about his own identity last year. Alex Rodriguez told officials Frank Artiles paid him nearly $45,000 to be a so-called ghost candidate. He was promoted as a liberal in advertising mailers but never campaigned and never debated.
2: In addition to the same surname,
5: It was a a, a very well orchestrated and funded last minute campaign to uh, persuade voters and frankly trick them. While entering a sham candidate into a political race isn't a crime, the funding of one is, according to prosecutors, both Artiles and Rodriguez are charged with three felonies each.
1: What is a crime is making illegal campaign contributions to get a candidate to run.
5: This case is part of a pattern CNN previously reported last year. Three races with ghost candidates supported by political action committees that all registered at the same time and had similar donations and similar spending on nearly identical mailers.
0: One thing that the piece covered is that, uh, prosecutors determined that the republican candidate in that particular race had nothing to do with, with the sham candidate
2: so
1: it's like the rnc <laughs> <laughs> how was
2: how was that possible i heard that tom how was that possible that the candidate that's being propped up that's getting the benefits of the ghost candidates candidacy didn't know about it I find it interesting that you know you have one candidate
0: in there who's kind of cheating, and his name is Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, the other Alex
2: Rodriguez represents the steroid party.
0: <laughs> I did that Alex Rodriguez line just for Jeff, the Mets. Thank you. <laughs> Teed it up, heat it up,
2: hit it out of the park.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like I don't. Um. I. It, nothing surprises me. I mean, I think um, the depth to which people will go um, for a win, um, particularly like a political win, is uncomfortable to see. Like I I was watching something where it was, and then that person, it was like the money trail, right? And then that person paid this and they are following the money trail. And then that, the name of the pack that paid for this and that's how it's all traced back. It doesn't surprise me. It just seems... Um, like you really want you you either really hate so much that you want to win, or you really think you're that good. Like I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but it's 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 uncomfortable to see that people would go because there's so many other things that you could use that analytical thinking for for good.
2: <laughs> Wait, it, I, um, look at look at the what the what they're saying is we can't win honestly. <laughs> So we'll pay $45,000 to some guy with the same last name as our candidates. And we can't win honestly. So we'll, we'll restrict the number of hours that people can vote. So people of color can't get to the polls yeah. and we can't win honestly. So we'll create all sorts of, of we'll obstacles to yeah, prevent we'll people right from down. voting. This is yeah. another example of, of the overall theme that Tom's presenting today.
3: I think this uh, is awful to see in real life, but if this was an Aaron Sorkin movie, I'd probably see it a couple of times.
2: So you're saying this is pretty clever,
3: though. Shoot, Whitey, hmm. Whitey is Whitey is tricky. (laughs) The the white people (laughs) tricks are sometimes. Sometimes I do got to look at it and be like, "Wow, like that." That's 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 other level, like deception.
2: There's the name like, the it's so episode. good that it
3: hasn't even been in any sort of uh, political thriller plot.
2: <laughs> and then
3: that's not even in the narrative. When people talk about uh, protecting the vote in a, in a way or they use certain language, like they, they care about the voting process and they say people are scamming, voting four times. Like, well, people are also <laughs> paying for sham candidates. Why is that not on your list of rhetoric? The movement towards
0: civil rights has been a hot-button issue for years. Throughout history and up to the present day, racism has been rationalized as a legitimate point of view in the defense against any new measures in integration and voting rights. It has led to a backlash, a groupthink that has been in existence for a long time that says we've done enough for civil rights and we can always try and advance that cause just a few years down the line. Such an instance can be seen in this clip from an episode of David Brinkley's Journal highlighting the opinions of a small town in 1964.
5: To find out what is on people's minds in average town in this election year, NBC News commissioned a Gallup survey. Hundreds of interviews asking the same questions all over town. People were asked what they were worried about, what they thought the political issues were this year, what they did for recreation and others as we'll hear. All the interviews were first conducted privately in Gallup's normal way Then the representative sample were repeated with the cameras there. Some of the answers were remarkably candid.
1: Do you think the Democratic administration is pushing racial integration too fast?
5: Too fast and too hard.
1: How would you feel about a law which would give all persons, Negroes as well as whites, the right to be served in public
2: places such as hotels, restaurants, theaters, and similar establishments? Uh, In this respect, I would say that would be all right, but at all times. Regards to race, creed, or color, they must be ladies and gentlemen. When they cease to be that, they are undesirable citizens. And they should be thrown out. Period.
1: Do you think such a law should or should not apply to small businesses like beauty parlors, shops?
2: No, I don't think it should.
1: Why don't
2: you? Uh, all right. You want a for instance? I'll give it to you. Now, of course, right now I need a haircut. And... I'll get my haircut, but you think i'm gonna to go to a barber shop where he's cut some f- his hair and got that goo grease all over it got more grease you get on a bear you think i want that on mine
1: <laughs> now would you be willing for the united states to engage in an all-out atomic war to stop the communists
2: yeah no? sure 100 percent. so everything you got when you got it
0: to put that clip into its proper context, he's probably dead by
1: now. They all are, sixty-four. <laughs>
3: I think he—he uh, he definitely gives off "my wife left me" vibes, and that wasn't the first time he said "too fast and too hard." You know,
1: <laughs> left him for a brother. Let me tell you,
3: <laughs> who, had, who had who had the Jerry curl? Apparently,
1: who had the in his hair. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that video shows like how much of an automaton pollsters have to be like that guy just said something really offensive today. That guy are probably like, you want to go ahead and kneel for the national anthem. Fine. But I tell you what, we go ahead and have a clan rally as part of a halftime show. after what not think. And then, and then the question has to be like, and what are your thoughts on school? Val? Who
1: cares?
5: Like he just said right.
1: something shit
5: stupid. <laughs> yeah, I pool. mean, I
1: think there's a, I can't imagine that was super surprising then. It's not super surprising to me now, you know, but so I can't imagine that the person was just like, you know, I think they sort of knew that that's what he was going to say.
3: Liberal white people could also be so sheltered that they don't have that experience with people that don't, you know, think about things the way that they do, you know, like where we are not surprised, um, possibly because of the entertainment inner. Uh, background you know you've read a lot of scripts had to empathize with a lot of different people outside of ourselves but she probably went to was like a the poor interviewer who looks so (laughs) who looks so horrified at the end there she's probably never talked to somebody like that all her family's racism is probably kept quiet and then secreted at the holiday events
1: yeah it's northern like mine was growing up northern racism it's a little bit more subtle
3: yeah so she did look she did look mortified. A <laughs> poor lady. She was, and I don't want to get too off topic, but that was definitely like a uh, "give it to the girl" assignment, you know? <laughs> <laughs> said, because at well, the beginning she seemed excited. Then she was like, "Oh, what have I, <laughs> what, what 19, have I done?" And in
2: 1964, that was definitely the terminology.
3: And I think, uh, you know, as Gina mentioned, and Martin Luther King, and Tom. <laughs> like a lot a lot. I love really, being in that group <laughs> a lot really hasn't hasn't changed and that's absurd that is absurd especially with the wealth of uh, information that exists now that did not then
0: and on that note that's <laughs> our show
3: <laughs> oh lord did he did he get out of there with the t-shirts and the t-shirts should have two different sides vote or die because it is very important that we stop them from infringing upon our right to vote with various Uh, uh, red tape and obstacles.
0: I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, and Reed Clark.
3: Thank you, Tom. Thank you all. It was uh, great talking to you.
0: But before we go, my final thought. The fact that racism still exists in 2021 is not only sad and disheartening, but incredibly frustrating, especially when one considers that such attitudes permeate not only into political discourse, but into our surroundings via conduits such as our coworkers, our neighbors, And even our extended relatives for example my bigoted homophobic racist cousin who lives in arkansas is so hateful towards anyone who doesn't look like him that ironically he is very inclusive and open about who he decides to hate he even goes so far as to be hesitant about buying mr clean products because even though mr clean has the shaved head he still has the earring in one ear and my cousin is not sure which ear means he's gay (laughs) So to temper his concerns, he takes a magic marker and draws a swastika on Mr. Clean's forehead. He even goes so far as to call him Mr. Ethnic Cleanse. That's a joke, obviously. I don't have a racist cousin because he died due to crystal meth. His house blew up while he was making it. Again, that's a joke. That was a cover story we told my aunt and uncle to cover up the fact that he actually burned to death when he spilled gasoline on himself during a cross lighting. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not entirely bitter and pessimistic about my family. My grandparents were married in 1942 and they're still together. That's because my family loves them so much, they're not quite ready to bury their corpses yet. Again. Oh. <laughs> again, only joking. I haven't told anybody they're dead yet, as I'm still hooked on their meds. Good night. <laughs> This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen and Gina Brown and guest Reed Clark. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurik. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers.
2: Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. a ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's AWDLY Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.